Boy, the love of God is just unbelievable, to be honest with you, and, and, and incomprehensible in some regards when we think about how good and, and really loving God is to us in all of our imperfections, in all of our sinfulness, in all of our wickedness. Um, God is truly amazing. If you have your Bibles this morning, open up to Mark chapter number 12 and verse number 18. And uh, boy, I, I've enjoyed the service. I've enjoyed every part of it. And I would say if I went home right now, I've been blessed, but I, I, can't, I can't have a service and not have preaching. Amen. Um, uh, preaching is just an important part of, the, of, of a service. But boy, it's been good this morning and I, I've enjoyed it. And this morning I want to preach on striving to love the Lord. And we're kind of thinking about, I love my church Sunday, and a lot of people have red on, and we were told to wear anchors. Well, I don't have a red anchor tie, so the only anchor tie I have is turquoise, and so I didn't wear red today. Uh, but, uh, uh, but we're thinking about, I love my church Sunday, and then we're also thinking about our theme, striving together. And as I think about that, uh, I really want us to, to dwell and think about the fact uh, of how can we as a church collectively, and that would be individually, how can we strive to love the Lord better in our life? And Mark chapter number 12 and verse number 28, we'll take our text. The Bible says this, Mark chapter 12 and verse number 28, and one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices." And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God, and no man after that durst ask him any questions. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you truly for the great love that you have shown to us. God, as we think about your great love, may we be inspired to strive to love you even more in our Christian life. God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 
I want to take our text and primary text there in verse number 30 that the Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. As we look at this verse, I'll tell you this, that there's some difficult terms there to define with the practical application that we're going to look at. Uh, and so uh, maybe you've, you've thought about these and maybe you've heard other messages. And uh, I was, as I was reading and studying, there's doubtless been, been pages of ink trying to define what these terms are and how they would apply that we are to love the Lord with these things. And, uh, and certainly, uh, you know, I will be just another one that has more ink on the page, but I hope and pray that as we look at these things, that these would apply to our life every single day in our life. Something that we can take home and say, hey, listen, this is important in my life. Before we even get into our text, though, I want you to notice this. He says there in verse 30, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And I have to start here because, listen, if, if the Lord is not your God this morning, then you cannot love him. It's not possible. Uh, because he made a great offering in allowing his son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth and to live an absolutely sinless life here on this earth. And he did that for the purpose of going all the way through his life and dying on the cross of Calvary. And you say, well, why did he die? What's the purpose of him dying? Uh, he didn't sin, so therefore he did not deserve death. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And Jesus did not sin, therefore Jesus did not deserve death. And you are right, he did not deserve death. But he died in our place to take our punishment upon him. That's what the idea of that song was. How is it that God could love us that are so sinful and wicked? I think to myself, one time uh, I had somebody ask me, he said, he said I don't think um, God could, could pardon me because, uh, because I've killed somebody. And I said, well, you know what? The Apostle Paul also was standing there and just as guilty of killing somebody as the people that were throwing the stones before he was saved. And you know what? God not only saved him, but used him tremendously for the gospel's sake. And so, yes, God can forgive you and God can save you and God can use you even as broken as we are. And I thank God for that. And listen, he does love you and he wants you uh, to be saved today. The Bible says this in John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. <clears throat> I don't want the wrath of God to abide on you this morning. And so listen, you need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior and understand that, listen, He died on the cross to save you from your sins, to change your life, to make you a new creature, as the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, and to, uh, to, to 
to take away your sins and to forgive you and save you for all eternity. Man, what, a, what, what great love that God bestows upon us. And so we find that before we can even strive to love the Lord more, we must first accept His love that He gives to us. But I want you to notice a couple of these things as we look here in our, our text in verse number 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And as we think of the idea of the heart, we think of it as the central seat of the emotions. And, and as I think about that, uh, it's our will and it's our desire it is our heart. And, and as I thought about all of that, I believe first and foremost that we must love the Lord Jesus Christ with an unfeigned love. Now, good luck spelling that. I always hate those I-E-G-N words. They're terrible. But unfeigned love. What does that mean? Well, unfeigned uh, means that it's not fake. In other words, that it's sincere, heartfelt, and genuine. In other words, that, hey, we're not just going through the motions of Christianity because it's what other people expect of us, but rather that we would love the Lord our God in a sincere, genuine, heartfelt love for Him. Listen, that's important in the Scripture. Uh, matter of fact, we find that in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9. The Bible says this, Let love be without dissimulation. And dissimulation means to conceal under false pretense, to feign, or to, to we'll put it in modern terms, to be two-faced or hypocritical. Uh, listen, our love for the Lord Jesus Christ ought not be something that is fake ought not be something that we're just keeping up the appearances so that everyone around us thinks that we're Christian and thinks that we're uh, loving the Lord, but our love for the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be a sincere, heartfelt, genuine love for God. It's important. What's the alternative? Well, listen, our motive matters. Uh, why do we do the things that we do? You know, the, the Pharisees, they had this problem. Uh, there was a point in time when, when, uh, when the Jewish people loved the Lord. And, and yes, there were times when they, they faded off and they came back, and we'll talk about that. But, but listen, uh, they loved the Lord, but as time went on, uh, they grew into this religious system where, where some people uh, just absolutely loved to be in control, and there was absolutely no love for God in their life. They actually just loved the position and the authority they had. The Bible says this, Jesus said this in Luke chapter number 11 and verse 43, Woe unto you Pharisees, for you love the uppermost seats in the synagogue and greetings in the markets. In other words, hey, you love for people to look at you and say, wow, he's one of those guys. He's a Pharisee and, and man, he's important and, and he wields the law of the Jews. And so they would look at him and it really, it was a prideful, powerful position for them that said, hey, uh, this is why I want this. But there was no love of God in many of those people, and it became a real problem. It was feigned, it was insincere, it was all about them and the power that they could hold and, and the position that they could have. And I'm just saying that our motive for why we do what we do is of utmost importance and something many times that we cannot see outright. <clears throat> 
I look at you this morning. You guys look wonderful. Got all ready. You came to church and you look great. And, and, and I say, praise the Lord. And I just have to say, man, I hope and pray they're here for the Lord. I believe that the majority of people are. But the reality is we can't see the motive behind what we do. We can't see, let me rephrase that, we can't see other people's motive for why they do what they do. We know our motive, and, and I'm just saying that we ought to have a pure motive. Why do we pray? Uh, why do we uh, give an offering? Why do we attend church? Why do we sing specials? Why do we dress nice? Why do we teach? And why do we help clean the church? And why do we work in maybe the media ministry or the van route or Sunday school or junior church or uh, any other position that we may have in our church? Listen, we ought to do those things because we have a genuine sin sincere, heartfelt love for the Lord. Hey, that ought to be our motive that drives us. It ought to be sincere. And he starts out, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. It ought to be an unfeigned love, something that is sincere, something that is genuine, something that, uh, that, that we desire for him. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. I have several verses that I want us to see. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 12. 2 Corinthians 5, 12. The Bible says this. He deals with this idea of motive. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 12. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. So he's talking about making a show of appearance and not having heart in it. And he goes on in verse number 13. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. Verse number 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And, and we had to kind of get the whole context of all of that. But in verse number 14, the Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. I believe that's both directions. I believe because of Christ's love toward us, it constrains us, it causes us to have a genuine, heartfelt, sincere love for Him. But then in reciprocating that, hey, we ought to serve Him in a heartfelt, sincere, genuine love for Christ. And it ought to constrain us to do those things. Why do I come to church? Well, when I was a little kid, I used to go to church because my mom and dad would grab me by the scruff of the neck, put me in the car and say, you're going to church. I didn't have a choice. It was not my option. And I'm glad they did that, to be honest with you and be frank with you. But somewhere in my life, along the age of uh, of 12, when, when I got saved, you know what? My parents were, didn't have to, uh, not every time at least, grab me by the scruff of the neck and put me in the car. They said, let's go to church. And you know what? I, I wanted to go to church. Why? Because I love the Lord. 
hey, we ought to come to church out of a sincere desire to love the Lord. And, and, and listen, it's unfeigned love. Let's go to the next one back in our text in Mark chapter number 12 and verse number 30. We find that not only is, does it say, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, but the Bible goes on and it says, and with all thy soul. Now this is a tough one and, and it's really hard to separate between the heart and soul to be honest with you if we're talking strict definitions. But as I look at it, I, think, I thought of this, that the soul is the inner man, who you are on the inside. It's defined in the dictionary as this, the spiritual, rational and immortal part of man. And as I think about the immortal part, I thought, well, that works. We'll, we'll run with that definition. And so not only should we have an unfeigned love, but we ought to also have an undying love. That is a love that will perpetuate and continue on in our Christian life. And I'm reminded in the Bible that, listen, many times love can fade. That's what, one, that's what Jesus had against one of the churches in Ephesus. Matter of fact, the church in Ephesus, he says in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Listen, he commands us to have a sincere and unfeigned love with all of our heart, that our entire heart would be tied to Jesus Christ and to God and have a sincere, genuine love for him. But then also he goes on and he says, with all thy soul. And that is an undying love that would not walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. As I said, even with the nation of Israel, you can see it when you read the Old Testament. There were times that they loved God. There were times that they did not. There were times uh, where they followed God. There were times when they were disobedient to God. And I have, uh, I have every uh, surety this morning that if we were to evaluate our own lives, we would find in our own lives that same pattern. That sometimes we are on fire for God. And sometimes we're a little bit distant from Him. And not as close as we ought to be. I remember hearing this saying, and it's quite a, quite a powerful saying. But, but they, I, I remember hearing it this way. If you can remember a time that you were ever closer to God than you are right now, that you're backslid. But that's, that's tough. I, I'll tell you that. But it's also true. If you can remember a time that your love for the Lord was more fervent than it is right now, then you have left your first love. And he's saying, I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. And I understand, listen, I'm not advocating that we can still do all the same. I understand our life changes, our roles change, our, our, our abilities change, and we can sometimes not maintain some of the same things that we used to be able to do. I get that. I understand that. I think God is very much so aware of that. But it does not have to impact our love for the Lord. Even though we may not be able to do as much, and even though we may not be able to do the 
same things that we used to do. Hey, our love for the Lord should be the same love and the same undying fervency that it was when we first met him. That's true. We find that our love should be an undying love. Love fades, and, and that's without a doubt. We find that in Scripture. And listen, we ought to be challenged in our life to stoke the fires of our love for the Lord on a regular basis. I love fires. I love campfires. My job uh, as, as a teenager was to take the trash out and burn it, and I, I loved it. I'll be honest with you. I might have a little bit of pyro in me. I don't know. But I enjoyed it. As a matter of fact, in the morning, uh, man, I, we, we heated our house with a little wood stove. And, and, uh, and I, 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 I like it warm. I love winter. I'll be the first to tell you that. I love snow. But I also love a nice warm house. I don't want to be sitting outside in the cold and I don't want it to be cold in my house. I want it to be warm in my house. I want to look out and see all the beautiful snow covering everything nice and white. But I want to be warm in the house. So I'd get up in the morning and uh, in that wood stove, uh, listen, the fire had died down overnight. And when we got up in our house in the morning, it was cold. Maybe that inspired me to get up earlier. I don't know. But I'd get up, and you know what I would do? I would go. I was the first one, man. I'd, I'd go to that wood stove. Man, I would take all the ashes out. I'd find the two embers that were in there. I'd put them together. I'd gather the wood, some, some kindling. I'd gather some paper, and, uh, and I'd put it all in there, and I'd load the wood in, and I'd just leave the door cracked. And after just a little bit, boy, you hear, and it just kind of took off. Boy, that fire would build back up. You know what? In order to keep a fire going, you know what you have to do? You have to continually feed it and feed it and feed it. And throughout that day in the morning when I'd get up, I'd stoke that fire. And listen, if I was off from school and I was home, you know what? Uh, I would go out and I'd bring in more firewood. Why? Because you had to get it dried out. And, and you put it by that fireplace. And listen, that fireplace would be warm and it would dry out that wood. And as the wood would dry out, uh, listen, after a while during that day, you'd have to go back. And, and you'd feel in, the, in the, the stove starting to get a little cooler. Boy, you open that door and you throw in more wood. You got to feed that thing all day long to keep it hot. Before you go to bed at night, man, you load that thing full. I mean, until you can't get any more in there and you shut that door and you seal it all up and that thing will just carry through the night. And the next morning, you'll have those embers going. But you know what? It takes work and it takes effort and it takes constant attention to keep that fire burning. Listen, in our Christian life, it takes no less effort. It requires us to stay on top of it. It requires us to feed the flames of love. It requires us to stoke the stove and keep it going. An undying love is prompted, uh, listen, by, uh, by reading the Word of God. You stay in this book. And I can promise you, I can assure you, you keep close to this book, it'll just keep those fires burning. It'll keep it burning. I've been preaching for two weeks now on the church and why we need the church. And, and even in Sunday school this morning, we heard the same thing in the adult Sunday school class. Good lesson. And, and listen, it's also uh, the, 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 the flames of our fire are stoked by gathering together with other Christians in church. I'd heard this 
quite a while ago, and, and I'm sure I, I've, I've even read it here in church before, but D.L. Moody was visiting a prominent Chicago citizen when the idea of church membership and involvement came up, and, and, and the fellow said, I believe I can be j just as good a Christian outside the church as I can be inside it, the man said. Moody said nothing. Instead, he moved to the fireplace, blazing against the winter outside, removed one burning coal and placed it on the hearth. The two men sat together and watched the ember die out. I see, said the other man. Listen, there is nothing like good Christian fellowship and getting together with Christians on Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday and when the services are available and, and getting together with those people and rubbing shoulders with them and, and being encouraged and being warmed by uh, the fact that, hey, uh, God has used them through the week or blessed them or maybe they're going through a struggle and, and need your prayer and need your encouragement. But I'm just saying, hey, that getting together, we can, we can help have a roaring fire of warmth towards the Lord. Striving to love the Lord more, we need an undying love as we think about a, with all our soul. We need an unfeigned love as we think about with all of our heart. The Bible says here in, in, in Mark 12, 30 as well, he says in, in verse number 30, uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. I put down for mind an uneducated love. Hey, we, we need to be educated in our love. I was thinking about this, and I, I don't know why. It's my genetics. It's just who I am, but I love gadgets. I'm just drawn to them. I don't know what it is. My wife and I, we went shopping the other day, and, and, and clothes, they bore me. I mean, they just do. There is nothing in me that says, oh, I want to go look for clothes. Nope. And so my, my wife was walking through all the clothes. You know what? I, it doesn't matter what kind of gadgets they are. I mean, if it's kitchen, I don't even like to cook. I don't even like to work in the kitchen, to be honest with you. But I just, man, I'm going to go and find out what the new gadgets are that kitchens can have. Bathrooms have, what, what gadgets can you use to shave or brush your teeth or uh, coffee gadgets to make espresso? And, and, and so, man, I'm, I'm walking through all of those aisles. I'm just drawn. I, I don't even know what they do. I, I, I just am interested in them because they, they fascinate me and I find it neat to see all of them things. Listen, some people with Christianity, they're drawn to Christianity because it fascinates them. The idea of church, the idea of God, the idea of the Bible, the idea that go with it. It just kind of fascinates them. But listen, we ought to have an educated love of God. By that I mean, hey, we'll learn. We ought to grow. The Bible says this in Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, uh, are honest, whatsoever, or excuse me, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he ends it with, think on these things. You can take every one of those things and you can list them out and you can say, true, that's Jesus. Honest, that's Jesus. Just, that's Jesus. Pure, that's Jesus. Lovely, that's Jesus. Of good report, that's Jesus. Uh, with virtue, that's Jesus. Praiseworthy, that's Jesus. And what I'm saying is we ought to spend time thinking about God. 
and say, you know what? I love him. You know why? Because he's forgiven every one of my sins, just like was sung. Oh, and he takes me from where I'm at and he sets my feet on a solid rock. Oh, man. You start thinking about how God has been so good to you and what he's done for your life. And you think about uh, the, the puritiness of God and the loveliness of God and, and the justness of God and, and all of those things that go with God. And you allow God to occupy your mind and occupy your thoughts. And you think about him when you wake up and you think about him as you go throughout the day and you think about him as you eat your lunch and you think about him as you pillow your head at night and, and you allow God to fill your thoughts hey you'll have an educated love I was preaching on Wednesday I made mention of this that David wrote those psalms we're going through the book of psalms on Wednesday and and David going through those psalms you know what he was he was a shepherd who sat in a field you know what he didn't have a phone he didn't have Facebook he didn't have Twitter he didn't have TV he didn't have radio he didn't even have telephone bless God you know what he did he sat out there in those fields and he looked at the stars at night and said, I know the one that created all those stars. What an incredible God it is. And as he watched the flocks during the daytime and during the nighttime, God created those sheep and he would think about God. How do I know that? Because the Psalms talk about time and time again, meditating on God. You know what meditating is? It's thinking, allowing God to fill our mind. We're talking about striving to love the Lord more. Hey, we have got to spend more time thinking about Him, allowing our mind to be filled with His thoughts and who He is and what He has done for us. And so often, listen, we live, we live in an entertain-me society. That's what we live in. Listen, we, we, we are entertained with our phones. We're entertained with social media. We're entertained. We have more entertainment available to us today than ever before. Listen, sometimes we need to shut it all off and stop being entertained and start being educated. Who is God? What does he want from me? Why, why did he write these verses in the Word of God? And meditate and think about God. Allow him to occupy our minds. An uneducated love. We ought to have an educated love. Notice the last one he says, this is probably the easiest, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. I put down an unemployed love. Love without action is lip service. Amen. It's lip service. Any, any of you young fellows wanting to get a girlfriend, words are not enough. It doesn't cut it. Actions have to back up those words. If you're trying to, to, to woo a girl, then, then listen, you don't just tell her, well, I love you and, and that's it. No, I man, you, you buy her chocolates, you buy her flowers, you take her out to dinner, you, you, you try and do stuff for her. Why? Because it's an expression of your love towards her. Listen, God's no different. 
If we say we love God, then we ought to have actions that back up that love that we proclaim. It's written this way in, in John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We have got to love God in our actions to bring us back to full circle. Why do we do what we do? It ought to be out of a sincere motive and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't stop what you're doing because your motive isn't right. Fix your motive and just keep going. We all get, we all sometimes get our priorities mixed up. We all time, sometimes get, get confused on why we do the things and we need reminded, hey, we're doing this because we love the Lord. We ought to strive together to love the Lord with an unfeigned love, with an uh, with a undying love, with an uneducated love. No, we ought to love them with an educated love. I guess that one don't fit, but it fits my alliteration. And, and, and we ought to be employed in his love. That we ought to be busy serving the Lord Jesus Christ with our life and our actions ought to back up our what we say with our words, striving to love the Lord more. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. It's something that we strive for. It's not automatic. It doesn't happen without work or without effort on our part. Sometimes our love wanes and we need to work at it a little bit more. That's why we're striving for that. We're working towards that. Father, I pray that you would help, bless, encourage, strengthen every believer that's here this morning. God, if there's one that does not know you as their personal Savior, God, the, the reality and the truth of the matter is they cannot love you without first accepting your love for them. And so God, if there's one that's not saved, I pray, Father, that you would touch their heart, show them their need for salvation. And God, I pray that they would come and trust you this morning and put their faith and trust in you. God, for each and every believer, God, I know in my own life, there's times when I'm not as close to you as I once was. God, I pray that you would help me to maintain an undying love, a passion, a zeal, a genuine, heartfelt love for you. And to do those things, to think on you, and to serve you with my life. God will thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the piano's playing, the altar's open. Maybe God's spoken to your heart. These have come and there's room, there's time. I, I don't ever like to rush the invitation. If God's spoken to your heart... You can come and pray.